0: Any judgment of someone else is really a mirror that you need to hold up to yourself because you're judging something inside of yourself, right? Right. So even if you're judging others, great opportunity to turn the mirror around, get curious, well, why am I judging them for that? What is it about me that I feel, you know, where I feel I'm missing out? What if you could reclaim hours of free time each week, create legacy building wealth, and devote more energy to your passion projects? without giving up on your career as a life-saving MD. Dr. Vikram Raya is a functional cardiologist, high-performance coach, and real estate expert, is here to give you the tools, strategies, and solutions you need to transform your life, unlock your limitless potential, and achieve greatness, all while freeing up your precious time. Welcome to Limitless MD, let's dive in.
1: All right, guys. Welcome back to another episode of Limitless MD. I'm your host, Vikram Ryan. Today, I have a good friend, Gavin McHale. Gavin is an elite athlete, former uh, hockey player. He has uh, been a high-performance coach for many years now, and he coaches currently with Craig Ballantyne at Early to Rise. He takes entrepreneurs and business owners and people who want to be successful and driven and he takes them to the next level and his focus and expertise is mindset and so i'm so excited and pumped gavin to talk about this this is one of my favorite things to do we hung out recently at a mastermind in cancun it was awesome and now i can't wait to share some of those techniques to my audience so let's let's rock it man
0: yeah, man, let's dive in. You had you had mentioned in kind of the preamble here how much there's a focus on mindset. And I was like, let's let's go in on that. Let's do it. Let's talk about it. So let's do
1: this. So many people read books, podcasts, things. There's sort of a uh one-on-one mindset thing that everyone is doing or attempts to do, which is fantastic. But how do we go to level two, level three, level four mindset? What does that look like? I think the the higher levels of mindset work come
0: mostly from really looking internally. Like there there is a lot of self-awareness that needs to take place. And that like in my journey, it had to be the first step was, I guess cracking open the door on like, what are my stories? What are my limiting beliefs? Cause it's all well and good to, to think about affirmations and meditations and all these things. But when you're not actually digging in and pulling the thread on the stories and the limiting beliefs that are in your head, that are in your mind you're not going to get anywhere because the rest of it, as as you know, and I know, like we've both read a lot of books, we've both seen a lot of documentaries and all these things. It's all fluff until you actually put it into practice for yourself. So I think the first biggest step is what, like becoming aware of your own stories, like what are my beliefs that are not serving me?
1: What do you think is a disconnect in entrepreneurs, driven individuals where They are aware of their story even, which is probably level two. They're aware of their story, but they're still prisoner by it and cannot move forward. They know what to do, but they don't do what they know. Well, if they're anything like me and probably you, I
0: won't speak for you, but if they're anything like me, they really like being good at things and they don't particularly deal very well with failure. Right? Even though it's something that as an entrepreneur and business owner, we have to face a lot of is like failures and learning from those failures, not many of us actively like to seek them out. And that was one of my biggest issues and why I you know, why I blew a chance at playing professional hockey,, uh, why my business businesses up to this point were mediocre, because when it got to the time where I had to actively pursue failure, to get to the next level, I either backed off or if I did fail, I blamed other people. And, and I couldn't, I couldn't say, okay, this is on me. I need to look in the mirror. I need to do this work. I need to, you know, face these issues, face these fears head on. I think a lot of people, no matter what they say, like it's not fun. Everyone says, Oh, I want to grow and learn growth isn't very fun. Like most of the time you're like wading around in these swampy murky waters. That's not very comfortable. And you know, a lot of it is going into those dark places that, that you probably have avoided for good reason. And I think that's why, why people shy away from doing this work or why it takes longer than it probably should. It's it's what happened to me
1: anyway. (laughs) So let's talk about, The opportunity to play at elite elite level with NHL. Let's talk about this concept. It seems to be you're referencing sort of this extreme ownership. Yeah, let's talk about the dark places. And who are the people that go there? And who are the people that avoid it? So like, you can sort of choose some of those topics, but let's sort of break some of this down. I want to get into the tangibles for these guys.
0: Yeah. So f- for me, just a brief background, I played in the Western Hockey League, which is like the highest junior hockey league you can play in. And it was my NHL draft year for the National Hockey League. And and I did what I call orchestrated a complete meltdown mm-hmm. from uh, from the start of the season to the end of the season where I just, I could not handle failure. And I think that you, you mentioned, who, you know, who does do this work and who doesn't do this work. I think uh, I was talking with someone else today about um is it tony robbins's idea of you're either driven to it from desperation or from inspiration and i actually feel that it almost for most of us has to be desperation that drives us to it because inspiration is great i've left a lot of inspiring keynote talks and been like that's a great talk and then never done anything with it Right. But when I'm desperate, when my back is against the wall and, you know, Craig spoke to us last week about you can become more desperate by changing who you compare yourself to. Right. And and that creates that desperation. But I think it's it's people who put themselves in a position where they have no other choice but to do it. And either you can put yourself in a position intentionally Right by changing who you compare yourself to, by by pushing harder, by actively pursuing failure and growth, you know, kind of giving yourself no, burning the boats so to speak, giving yourself no other option, or you can drive yourself to desperation because you didn't do the things that you were supposed to do, and now you really are back against the wall. And if you don't make it happen, you don't have a meal, or you know, you could lose everything.
1: Yeah. Right? So I I, I I think I think I want to stack on what you're saying. Uh, two of the things are like an identity mismatch, right? You give yourself so much intense pain because there's a certain identity you've prescribed to yourself. And if you're not embodying that identity, that should give you pain, which should force you to take massive action. The second thing is uh, setting insane deadlines. So Elon Musk does it. I know Steve Jobs used to do it. And it's it's essentially employing Parkinson's law to your favor, which for those guys... Most of you guys know it, but essentially you, the amount of time you have to do something is the amount of time it takes to do something. So like, if yeah. I, uh, like I had to do, I think three, uh, talks at, at my mastermind that I just ha- held here in Miami and, uh, I had plenty of time, you know, over the last four months, but sure, it ended up cranking <laughs> it on the airplane there. And like, you know, the night of and the morning of, and, yeah, it was it was a good talk, but it didn't need to be that intense. <laughs> so, totally, yeah. But uh, I I used the time available because I waited till the end, right? So, yeah. uh, it's creating those artificial perhaps timelines and compressing that kind of high output, you know, uh, on your timetable.
0: Yeah. And I think what you bring up here is, is like what we talk about with Craig uh, with early to rise of like how to set really good goals. And, you know, you talk about like these, these deadlines um, that changes the intensity of the action steps, right? So if I want to make a million dollars in a year, it's gonna be very different than if I want to make a million dollars next week, very different action steps, right? And I'll say, you know, this is one of those mindset pieces. Neither of those are out of the realm of possibility for anybody. As long as you take, as long as you know the action steps you need to take, you put the plan in place to take those action items and you get the accountability to make sure you take them and then you're constantly reiterating, right? But, you know, who would have thought that you could have created three great presentations and practiced them and prepared in two days? but here you are you did it and i'm sure everyone that was at the event thought that they were really helpful really positive because you just did what you had to do and i think these high performers like you said this identity mismatch or setting these deadlines this allows us to force ourselves into a higher level and again it creates some pain
1: it creates it creates a lot of potential for failure but it's going to force you to step up to a higher level and then gavin i remember in one of your talks i heard that you talk about goals as not being enough so what do i mean by that is guys hey winners and losers both set goals right yeah. <laughs> what's the difference right it's yeah. that the winners actually have they also set process goals too uh, yes. process strategies not just the goals so uh, it's about doing time on task doing the things that lead to to your goal being accomplished so leading in indi- you work on the leading indicators you know? Yes. Uh, So can you sort of, uh, break that down for the, for the, absolutely. Yeah. You know,
0: money goals, uh, weight loss goals, all these things are great goals, but at the end of the day, that is somewhat out of your control, right? Someone's trying to lose 50 pounds. They could do everything right and lose 49. Someone's trying to make a million dollars. They could do everything right and make $999,000. Does that mean that they screwed up? I mean, probably not if they were doing the right things, right? So what what we need to do to set better goals, right? And not be the person who doesn't hit the goal is we need to set, set the outcome goal, which you don't have control over, knowing that that outcome goal is just there to set the intensity of the action steps. Then from there, you decide on action steps that would make it unreasonable for you to fail. Unreasonable for you to fail. If you then take those action steps, forget about the outcome goal and just take the action steps, and then your goal becomes taking the action steps every day. You'll succeed by default because you've already said these would make it unreasonable for me to fail, and this is the goal. Just take those action steps, and then you'll succeed.
1: Like you'll just succeed, right? Yes. But and, this is and, where- and and if something happens where you don't succeed. It's what, what we've seen the best people in the world do, right? They pivot, they iterate, they, they, again, is it really failure or is it feedback? Is it failure or is it just data points? It's reframing failure. You know, failure is a sexy word. It can create a lot of emotion in people, good, bad, indifferent, but it's, uh, it's part of the process, but it's not necessarily, you don't have to even call it failure. You can just call it just information, feedback, uh, data points, um, and it can set you up for your next success.
0: Yeah, and I'll often say that that failure, well, me in particular and other high performers, we're so busy judging ourselves and being angry at ourselves when we fail or when we make a mistake that we totally miss the lesson and the feedback that's in it, right? We're so busy judging ourselves, we forget to get curious and ask a question and go, well, why didn't that work, right? Because like, if we think about setting a, a really high level goal and and then intense action steps, right? We think about that. Okay, well, did I miss the goal because I didn't take the action steps or because they were the wrong action steps or both? And then reiterate, tweak, make changes and go again. Maybe you just needed a little bit more runway because even time oriented goals, every time oriented goal is an arbitrary timeline. One month, three months, one year, it's totally arbitrary, right? We just made up these time these timelines. So take the actions and then, yeah, maybe you don't hit it. Then you can get curious and go, well, why exactly didn't I hit that? Is it like, what is it?
1: Make the changes go again. That's all it is. It's another data point. I love that. And a lot of times, you know, we do want things on our own time, but then there's sort of the time that it really would take to, to get it done. So extending timeframes, frames you know, really does open up the success, uh, probability, uh, that it's going to happen. So, you know, some, you want to get it done in three months, but look, if you gave yourself another month or two, now, the only thing is you don't want to procrastinate and delay action because of that. But sometimes things do take longer than you expect. And it's just understanding. And I love the word curious. You have a picture guys. I'm, I'm, I'm doing a video podcast right now, uh, with Gavin McHale and in the, in his background, he has, um, uh, the guy from Ted Lasso, Now uh, Ted Lasso, the, the great show on, on Apple. And if you guys don't know the show we have, a, there's a character who's super nice, super like friendly. And everyone around him is like, you know, cussing and swearing. And he's just <laughs> the, the nicest guy. And then somehow it rubs off on everyone. And, you know, he actually ends, ends up influencing them in a positive way. So there's yeah. a picture of that guy and it has be curious, not judgmental. And so, I would say be curious and not judgmental with yourself, not necessarily others. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And, and that here's the other thing, Vic is any judgment of someone else is really a mirror that you need to hold up to yourself because you're judging something inside of yourself. Right. right. So even if you're judging others, great opportunity to turn the mirror around and get curious. Well, why am I judging them for that? What is it about me that I feel, you know, where I feel I'm missing out? So I, I love to say that curiosity and judgment live next door to each other. Mm-hmm. And the only difference is punctuation. Judgment is a period or sometimes an exclamation point, right? I suck. I'm the worst, right? Whatever. Curiosity is a question mark. Am I the worst? Do I suck? Right. And when you start to open up that line of questioning, now your brain can actually start to solve those problems instead of these like matter of fact type things. Do I suck? Well, I don't know. Let's define how much I like, let's define what being good means and what being bad means in this situation. And now, now we're on a completely different
1: track and we're actually solving a problem instead of just beating ourselves up. Yeah. And, uh, along with it being curious, it's also about asking better questions. Sometimes, it's like, hey, how come I never, you know, let's say you're a real estate guy and I never get, I would never win the deal from the brokers, right? right. You ask that question, your brain will come up with some sort of answer. Or you're yeah. like, hey, uh, what does it take to win my next deal? You know, that's a better question. You probably get a better answer. Same thing, you're an entrepreneur. Hey, how do I double revenue? Or how do I increase profit by 30%? So ask yeah. better questions. And then, you know, what I've learned from a lot of the folks uh, sometimes I sometimes I follow is, Uh, there's sometimes there's a primary question that we all we ask always Mm -hmm. and the the moment we reframe that ask a better version of that it changes our whole life like like how can I add even more value to my kids and my wife or like you know whatever that is but find a compelling propelling powerful question that if you keep asking it it forces you to become a better person as you're trying to answer that I love that you brought that up. Recently, I was reminded that like about a year
0: ago, I, I found that whatever it is, this, this like primary question. And I realized that my primary question my whole life, I mean, Vic, you know, I'm a tall guy. I stand out uh, relatively imposing in a lot of uh, in real life situations. And my question was always, what will other people think of me? Like, I was so worried about, being judged by other people just because of my life and you know I was a hockey player and I was tall I was stood up very skinny as a kid and when I realized that that was my primary question that kind of underlied everything that I did right everyone listening to this you have a question that is your underlying question to everything that you do mine was what will other people think of me and as vic said if you can shift that question you start to shift every single every single question you ask and the way that you ask questions and the paradigm for how you show up changes. So when I could change, I'm still actually working on changing this, right? It's a, It's a long process, but when I could change that to like, how can I stand out? How can I stand out in a positive way that changes their life? Instead of worrying about what they'll think of me, what if I just shift that slightly, reframe that to like, I could stand out in a way that literally inspires someone so much that they might change their life. Like, that's a better question to ask. That's a better place to put our focus.
1: Right. That's awesome. I love that. I love how you, you share a personal example there, you know, Yeah. Uh, and you're, you're so authentic. So guys, (laughs) it's, it doesn't matter. We may be on this side of the mic and you guys may be on the other side of the mic, but we all have the same fears, the same worries, the same concerns. Like some Of the questions I ask, yeah, am I being a good enough dad? You know, am I totally. am I really? I say my wife's important, but is that true? You know, like, or I can say, Hey, look, how can I show my wife I really love her? That's a better question versus the other ones more like sort of guilty. I'm not, I'm worried, I'm not sure. So yeah, I've given you an example of potentially the questions that can pop up in my brain, but then yeah. I've quickly <laughs> go out and try to reframe them because I don't yeah. want that kind of question to permeate, you know, because then totally. The answer like, yeah, you suck as a, as a, as a husband and a father. All right. Well, <laughs> that, that may be true. Or it's like, Hey, wow. I did this for my wife yesterday. Wow. I was able to attend my son's basketball game. Cool. Like I'm starting to see evidence for the things. And so this leads me to my next discussion. Gavin is, um, the professor of imposter syndrome, which we're going to now <laughs> rename as, uh, imposter experience, sponsor experience or imposter moment. So like, Yes. Let's talk about imposter syndrome and what the opposite of imposter syndrome is, which I think is like narcissism, right? Yeah, and uh, <laughs> let's define what it is, and let's 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 get into it and see how we can help people uh, overcome this thing,
0: yeah. We had a great conversation at lunch after my talk, and we were talking about, like, me and a group of folks, and Vic was in and out of it. And we were talking about, like, first of all, you know, the lexicon of imposter syndrome. And I actually did some research after uh, nineteen seventy eight, so it hasn't even been around for long. And in fact, it was adapted from them. The, the researchers calling it imposter phenomenon, not even syndrome and the word syndrome, right? That's like this heavy word, right? I have a syndrome. It's not very fun. You know, it seems serious. Things, it seems like, <laughs> like, yeah, like we got to get the doc in here because I yeah. got a syndrome, right? Um, versus experience or moment, as we were saying, and we were even saying, could we remove imposter because it, that just it implies fraudulent, right? Yeah. Uh, like I am a fraud. But playing around with the language and thinking about about imposter syndrome or imposter experience to to be you know very simple with it, Adam Grant wrote in his book Think Again. He said, like. Imposter experience is part of the human condition in that anytime you're growing or doing something you've never done before or something you don't have evidence to be confident in yet, it's inevitable that you're going to feel like an imposter because you've never done it. You are in fact a fraud when you haven't done it before, right? So the only people that don't feel imposter syndrome First of all are the people who are sitting on the couch never doing anything or testing themselves in any way. Those are the people we call the armchair quarterbacks, right? They're sitting on the couch, they've got every answer but they've never done anything. Or narcissists and psychopaths. Those are the people who don't feel imposter syndrome. Armchair quarterbacks, narcissists, psychopaths, right? Everybody else, we did, <laughs> we, did a, we did a we did a survey in the room, right? There was 40, 40, very successful professionals in the room. And I said, who here has felt imposter syndrome in their life? Everyone's hand went up. In fact, I saw a couple of people, like, as I was explaining it, waiting to put their hand up because they were just so ready to put their
1: hand up, (laughs) ready to declare it.
0: (laughs) They're like, I'm an imposter. Yes. And so that was a pretty good cross section. I think we can agree, Vic, of successful people and they had all felt it. So then isn't, wouldn't it? makes sense that it's almost a prerequisite for success to feel like an imposter because that's what happens when we're growing. And we, I talked about this earlier, growth is not very fun. We feel like an imposter. We're, we're waiting in these murky waters. There's a lot of unknown and there's a lot of like the other side of darkness really. And I think that, If we could lean into some of these traits of imposter syndrome, right? Of, of questioning ourselves and, and, and wondering if we're on the right track, we could realize that that's just another opportunity to get curious. And it's another opportunity to, to take action, even in the face of being afraid. And it's an opportunity to go, Hey, I can, I can do this thing. Even though I'm scared, I can separate those two things. And once I do the thing, then I can get the feedback to
1: learn. and one of the things I learned from your talk, Gavin, is it's really, there's a very simple solution, guys, to <laughs> imposter syndrome experience moment, whatever you want to call it, and it's really based on evidence. And so yeah. let's really get into that. So can you share with the audience the, the simple solution we have? Yeah. To do, to I mean, doing confidence equals evidence, right? When we're not confident,
0: it's because we don't have any evidence of us being good at the thing. But the funny thing is, is that we actually do have evidence. We're just not looking for it because we feel like an imposter, right? Our reticular activating system, I'm sure a lot of your, your listeners know what that's all about. It's the thing where when you're looking at it for a new car, you you see that new car everywhere. When you're looking for a new house, you see for sale signs everywhere. It tells your conscious brain what to focus on. When you don't feel confident, and you feel like a fraud, it's going to focus on things that show you that you're a fraud and you shouldn't be confident. So if we can shift our mindset and start looking for evidence that we are, who we say we are, look for proof that we are in fact good enough, which comes through taking action and doing scary things, then we can start to rewire those patterns in our brain and collect evidence that we can be confident, right? I've done a lot of thinking on confidence over the years, especially when I came up in, 2005 playing hockey and my coaches would go, you know, Gav, you just got to play with more confidence. And I'm like, great, thank you. But how? Where do I get the confidence? And they're like, oh, just go out there and get some confidence. You'll be fine, right? They they had no answer for me. Well, we do it by being intentional about what we're doing
1: and then looking for evidence. And yeah. I think I, I think the two simple answers are reps plus evidence. You do the reps. Uh, yeah. And then you look at evidence of progress, improvement, growth, and sometimes you have blind spots and you need to reach out to mentors, friends, coaches, colleagues to actually see the, uh, the growth. A lot of times, you know, we're on this like, uh, gap in the game kind of thinking, right? So this is a yeah. book from Benjamin Hardy and who's, uh, his, uh, co-author? um, oh. Dan Sullivan. Yeah. Dan Sullivan, that so I, I saw this amazing infographic uh, I don't have in front of me, but I can describe it to you guys. So imagine like you're climbing this, I don't know, a thousand step, you know, um, staircase and, and you're on step 997 and you're looking at step a thousand is still three steps away. You're like, Oh my God, wow, what a failure. I haven't even hit that in the amount of time I was supposed to get it. But then that's, that's called gap thinking. But if you want to think about the gain, it's turning and doing a 180 degree turn and looking back and looking at the 997 steps you did to get to where you are. You're like, damn, that's amazing. I look, look at the progress I made, right? Yes. So look for the evidence in the things you're doing that are taking you towards your goals, right? It's not binary. It's not yes or no. It's, hey, how far the spectrum am I, am I going toward where I want to go, you know, and and. No. Having more of the reps, which gives you competence and more of the evidence by looking at objective and subjective measures, you'll start your right now. If you have imposter syndrome, that means your uh, your confidence is un, falsely less than the competence, even though it shouldn't be. Right. By you doing these things, remember you talked about in your talk, Gavin, that eventually you bolster up your confidence to where it equals it. Yeah. And then there's some people out there who are overconfident. <laughs> those are the narcissists. And They'll the brought- get brought back down though. Right. That's okay. So those are confidence is greater than the competence. They overthink it overconfident. And then, you know, that th- you have to obviously uh, find that happy medium. Yeah. I, I love
0: uh, guys. Just here's the thing that I just want to point out for a second, Vic. So many people go to live events and sit in the back of the room, and don't really listen to what's being said. And easily, Vic, you had your family down there, you had a lot going on. Vic easily could have done that. He just basically repeated my presentation verbatim, like two of the slides. This is what In my opinion, this is what success looks like is you're going and you're trying to squeeze every little thing out of an event that you can. And I know this is a slight digression, but like, if you ever think that, you know, everything or that, that there's no reason for you to like be in the room, you're done. You may as well quit. Right. And this is what I love about this. Also what I love about Craig's events and these events that we go to, because no matter how successful people are, there's zero ego. And they're just willing to go and learn. And I feel like, you know, maybe part of that could come for you, particularly Vic, maybe because you feel like, oh, you know, a bit of an imposter, but either way, I mean, you're spending your time, you're spending your money, you're spending your energy to be at this thing. And you're this, the most successful people take any little thing and pull something out of it. And I just think, I just wanted to make that point because I think it's so, so powerful especially for people who are probably listening to this, who are already relatively or very successful. There's always something you can learn if you're paying attention.
1: Yeah. And then, uh, I always try to live by a theme. Uh, Every level has its own devil. So, you know, as you keep climbing, there's always something and, um, you know, what gets you here is not necessarily what's going to get you there. So always keep learning, man. That's, I think that's the best trait I've seen among the people I admire the most, uh, Uh, 100% like there's
0: there's always something you can learn and you know I mean that's the fun part like even though growth and 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 all that is is not a very fun process leaning into what you don't know and like literally expanding your horizons is is just that's what lights that's what lights us up as high performers right like come on Let's, let's go
1: on the train here. So what's next for you, Gavin, as you're growing, you're coaching, you're traveling, you're, you're helping, uh, you know, entrepreneurs and high performers. What's next for you, my friend. That's a great question. I'm going to,
0: I'm going to say here in public that, so I'm working on a book and, uh, Craig Valentine's been helping me with it. He gave me some feedback that I needed to hear, but didn't want to hear. And my (laughs) old patterns came back um and i I took too much time off from it more than i would have liked but we are we are in the final stages i've rewritten it a couple of times done some rewrites lots of edits um that will be out in the next six months Uh, you you will be able to hold a paper copy of that that's one big thing because i think that these concepts can be nicely put into a book that i think a lot of people can get have success with and What I am really leaning into this year is preaching the gospel of what I know, getting out to more people, getting this message in front of more people that, you know, mindset work or the woo woo can be practical and useful for business owners. And even for the most, the people who are, who most resist the spiritual side, it can be practical. So I'm preaching the gospel as much as I can.
1: And how can people get to learn about you, know more about you, get into your ecosystem, and get into ETR and all that kind of good stuff?
0: Yeah, so I think the two best places. Uh, the first one would be to follow me on Instagram at Gavin McHale One. I've got lots and lots of content that we're putting out. We've got a a great guy helping our team out to to put content out. Um, and the other one is is something that I shared with you guys at the live event a little bit. Um, we've created a YouTube video. Uh, completely free. You don't have to put in any information or anything like that, but it's a daily money mindset visualization. And really what it's about is shifting your mindset from scarcity to abundance Mm. from a place of, I don't have enough to a place of there is always enough. Uh, That could be money. That could be health. That could be relationships. That could be anything. Uh, We just use the concept of money as a, a good placeholder for a lot of those things. So um dailymoneyattraction.com i know vick will they'll get that in the show notes but you can also find it on youtube but dailymoneyattraction.com will take you there Mm -hmm. the results people have seen from it have been incredible from just listening to it for one or two weeks and just shifting their mindset around money and what's coming to them
1: yeah I, i love the programming of the subconscious mind that is that's very powerful and if you're doing it you know actively with your active mind, your subconscious mind, you're in it, you're physically fit, you're vital, you're scheduling, you're being optimal. Plus, you know, some of the things like reframing your questions, your primary questions, using sometimes more desperation than inspiration, (laughs) maybe getting curious instead of judgmental, right? Uh, Looking at your failures or setbacks from the past. And really squeezing the juice out of those lessons and embedding them in your future protocols moving forward and and then surrounding yourself with, you know, a philosophically aligned tribe like, you know, you recommend and like I recommend, I mean, I think that's the key. Uh, So thank you. You Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. You can't
0: lose if you do that.
1: Yeah. So it's, it's really amazing. I can't wait to uh, hear, hear about your book and we want to definitely have it in our hands whenever it gets released. Um, But uh, what's uh, as I, as I let you go here today, What's the impact you want to have on the world, my friend?
0: Man, that's such a great question. I have done a lot of thinking on this. I believe that I am here just with my story and what I've experienced to connect great human beings to the highest version of themselves and i think that there's greatness in all human beings so anybody who will listen i think i can can give them that light that inspiration even if it's just a little bit to move towards a higher version of themselves and and a, and a more aligned a version that's more aligned with the best version of them that they can be
1: awesome man rock on that's great <laughs> guys thank you again for listening thank you again for uh subscribing to the the podcast, the YouTube. uh, We're really growing. We're one of the top in the physician space. Really appreciate you all. And until next time, be phenomenal. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Limitless
0: MD. If you found value from this episode, I encourage you to share this episode with a friend and let me know by leaving a review. For more information, make sure you check out the links in the show notes below or simply visit VikramRaya.com. Until next time, be phenomenal.